0: Alright, folks. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 198 today. Uh, we're going to be discussing "Journey into the Heart of Reality," which is a book written by Shima Somadev, uh, Shiva Somadev. Um, and uh, you can check out that book. I have the link down below the video, so go check that out. And uh, before we get started here, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com/mindescapepodcast. For just two dollars a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. I just uploaded one with uh, Rob Gentile from our episode Quirks of Light a few days ago. So go check that out. And uh, yeah, we got lots of cool stuff on there and a whole catalog of other episodes and segments. And uh, one more thing, head on over to indrasweb.org. It is live. This is the social media platform we created to connect open minds. So whether you have a theory, hypothesis, speculation, that's the place to do it um and uh we apologize there was a little technical issue there but hopefully i think we got it straightened out now and uh without further ado welcome on the show shiva
1: thank you for having me on the show nice to meet you mike
0: yeah nice to meet you well thanks for joining us we appreciate it um so you know, before we got cut out before, just give us a brief overview of how you got into this Eastern philosophy and Eastern spirituality and, um, you know, what was it that drew you into it?
1: All right. Well, I guess... uh, um, My interest... In Eternal Questions and Philosophy started probably in 20s, kind of developed. And um, yeah, reading books on philosophy, Tarot, Kabbalah, and then in year 1995, uh, discovering In Search of the Miracles by Peter, Peter, <coughs> Peter Demyan a uh, disciple of Gurujev. And um, this book um, created profound impact um, on my understanding and um, at the time uh, seemed revolutionary. And um, and, uh, within the book there was a leaflet of the fourth-way school and I gave a ring and um, joined the school in Moscow. So it was 95, okay. 1995, and um, I've been very impressed by the presentation, and specifically by the energy of the gatherings. Um, and I was very fortunate to have as my uh, first uh, special teacher, um, English actor. Um, very enigmatic and humorous actor, Robert Taylor. So he was, um, for a couple of years, director of the Moscow Center of the school. And, um, well, I specifically liked his um, way of conducting um, satsangs. Satsang is uh, the word uh, abiding abidance in truth. Although we didn't have this word, we had meetings. But uh, it is the way how he arranged um, the space and um, um, and um, well, uh, as as you probably. No, in the fourth way, um, may, in the Guru's teachings, the major uh, ideas is uh, self remembering and transformation of suffering. And self remembering also uh, Uspensky described as um, dividing attention. So usually he was saying that our attention goes to the objects of perception, and um, the effort of dividing attention is the Splitting attention between the object and subject, so bringing um, Being aware of both like I am aware of myself being aware of uh, objects Mm. and if you also um, uh, Expand a little bit um, this idea of dividing attention It's very similar to um, um, What is known as Bhairava mudra which is an um, um, effort to comprehend all um, impressions simultaneously. You simultane- it is an effort to comprehend um, all sounds, all visuals, um, t- taste, uh, kind of engage all the senses, and uh, at the same time uh, hold awareness on the experiencer. I am feeling this, and uh, so um, with these tools, and um, also Robert Taylor often um, was forcing uh, us to stop thoughts, stop thoughts, stop thoughts, stop thoughts, Um, and because also engagement with, uh, uh, we were sitting in circles, and uh, you're looking at the person who's sitting in front of you. And when you're looking into the eyes of the person who's sitting in front of you, well, it, this was my practice, <laughs> I mean, kind of this, how I in- interpreted it. And uh, I was looking through the eyes of the person back at my, se- at my body. And simultaneously I was feeling my feet touching the floor, my hands touching um, all sensations and uh, visuals, and engagement of panoramic vision as well. So, um, this looking into the eyes, um, it releases energy. You can feel that... um, And on one occasion, one occasion uh, after the big meeting, Uh, First half, um, on which probably about forty people were uh, present, and then we divided into three different groups, three smaller groups, and in our group were about sixteen people. And uh, in front of me were sitting um, new student whom I uh, didn't have chance yet to say hello or kind of I didn't yet connected with him and um, male. Uh, and uh, with very kind of pronounced male energy and don't kind of yeah and um, it's possibly for me you know it's not so easy to look into the eyes not to stare but to gaze into the eyes of um, stranger let's say
0: <laughs> yeah there's that one uh, exercise that people do like trying to connect people whether it be at like work or whatever where Uh, They have you stare into somebody else's eyes for like three minutes and you kind of like just lose yourself in that whole thing. Everything else melts away. It's almost like you dissolve.
1: So combining uh, after the first half of the meeting, the energy already was very uh, intense. And um, combining this uh, practice of dividing attention with the gazing into the eyes I sort of I looked at the eyes of each other sitting in a room, and then I um, noticed that when I look at this person, uh, my eyes escape the connection, and uh, so I asked myself what I'm I'm afraid of, and then I decided to really look into his eyes, and uh, he was looking back at me, and um, and. I decided to completely open uh, to his gaze and uh, decided to um, allow him to penetrate into my essence, vulnerable essence. And so this, and also kind of was telling him telepathically, mentally, do not only look at me, but uh, with your panoramic vision, um, try to include everyone, all perceptions in this moment. Anyway, so this is this uh, gazing created immense fear. And uh, the room started to pulsate in in inverse colors blacks or positions with white, green with red. And then start to everything was floating in the air, let's say, kind of like a wave of waves of energy. And um, my instinctive mind was telling me to stop there. Don't go any further because you've never been there. And if you step any more <laughs> into this unknown, into this energy, you, you don't know what is going to happen. It could be death or could be even worse, could be insanity. But uh, strongest part of me, my what's uh, in fourth grade school, known as a King of Hearts," which is an intellectual part of the emotional center, um, said, "No, I'm ready to go." Mm. And uh, so I'm, I'm sort of harnessed this energy of fear, because fear is the, the, it's, it's compact energy, and it's and um, often we run away from fear, or just instinctively, we're just backing um, off, mm-hmm. and uh, if we are able to accept and uh, go into fear, um, then fear can be a um, very powerful fuel for consciousness to expand, and that's what's happened. Uh, Basically, was catapulted out of the space-time continuum into what can be called fifth dimension, which is sort of like <clears throat> you can see the four-dimensional world as from the different perspective. And
0: yeah, that uh, that's interesting. So it was almost like a, um, almost like a. Uh like a very spiritual or psychedelic type experience, it sounds like, that you were uh, having there. Um, Do you think, like, um, when you, have you done, is that something you practice regularly now, like looking deeply into other people's eyes, and is it something that's evolved over time, or is that something that...
1: Yes, it is. It is evolved, and, um, yeah, I'm very uh, much... Cherish this practice and uh, these lessons which I learned from Robert Taylor and um, uh, Well now I'm kind of giving sad songs as well uh, here on Isle of Wight. I live now in England on Isle of Wight and um, um, Well, not at the moment, but I will giving sad songs I will uh, kind of will come back to the um, point why I started to lead satsangs. Okay. It was after 40 days fasting, so it's kind of like the um, connected with this. Um, yes, it's kind of my um, idea of satsang. Satsang is not, um, like people understand satsang as a, a sort of questions and answers. Kind of uh, People, students asking teacher about questions about reality, about nature of reality, what this and this, and um, uh, teacher explain. And uh, this is supposed to be satsang, but from my opinion, it's, it's not really satsang. Satsang is transmission of energy. It's, um, it's the building up energy. It's, um, um, first of all, the leader of satsang should be um, purified, very clear, kind of within himself. And uh, otherwise, it uh, will be a uh, lie to speak about higher dimension from the lower point of view if you have um, so you have to bring yourself first into the state into higher state of consciousness. and then kind of you um, yes, engaging people into looking into each other, eyes and um, being present, of course, and um, uh, words of truth speaking from your heart. Um yes, mostly inviting people into being present and present and um, so you're building the spiritual energy, let's say kind of, and the energy is the guide Energy is the as a uh, in uh, Hindu tradition, it's Shakti is the way to Shiva, the energy is the way to consciousness, the, to intelligence, the explosion of intelligence, and also uh the truth is abiding within everyone's heart and it's it's innate knowledge so basically satsang is a um, uh, release of this innate knowledge it's not uh, knowledge not comes from somewhere else it comes from within so basically the the aim of satsang is to create this energy which allows to blossom this knowledge so mm. so yes i'm using this uh, practice within the satsangs um,
0: So, <laughs> so let's, let's, this, let's get into yeah. your, your book, uh, The Journey into the Heart of Reality. So, did you have, you know, like, what was your, the lead up into that? Did you have a spiritual teacher that kind of guided you to get to that point? Or is this something that you've kind of just created all on your own? Or
1: Right. So, um, I've been in the fourth-way school for eight and a half years. Um, um, well, I was very close to the um, head teacher of the fourth grade school. Kind of after a couple of years being in Moscow Center, and then I started traveling with the uh, head teacher. And um, well, it, as you know from the book, uh, we had the sexual relationships. And uh, um, well, it was shock, of course. And um, but. I just accepted it very um, um, lightly. And um, and well, I was learning lots of things in, in the fourth-way school. I mean, kind of like it was uh very, very valuable time, but... Um, I just want
0: to point out, too, the fourth-way school was developed by Gurdjieff. So if people don't know who Gurdjieff is, look up. He, Gurdjieff was kind of this mischievous spiritual teacher that would kind of throw people into situations and have them kind of just figure it out and open their minds to different you know not conventional situations if you will I just wanted to point that out for people
1: yeah but I just want to point as well kind of that the head of this school wasn't Gurjiev, of course
2: right
1: right. (laughs) yes so it was um Robert Burton which just um, uh, school is situated in um, um california okay so anyway um, well, basically to make this shorter after eight and a half years of being in the fourth school st- i just start getting really um, first i uh, I lost my trust to the teacher and uh, secondly. I um, start to feel more and more the limitations of Gurdjieff's ideas. And um, and at one point, while I've been living in um, um, um teaching house, well, teaching house is kind of places where people sort of like the centers uh, are situated in uh, certain towns around the world. In the, of the school mm. Where the kind of the hub Of the fourth way activity Going on So I lived there with my wife um, And um, After Very shocking conversation With um, head teacher Of the school I decided to leave And um, So I left the school and After being eight and a half years In the school uh, It's also um, Gurjev teachings is very tricky, uh, in a way because you sort of like uh, within the society, and uh, um, it sort of feels like outside of the school, nothing really good flourishes. The, the school is the center, kind of like, and and this is family and stuff like this. So, it was quite a big step to leave the school. So, and I went, uh, I said goodbye to my wife as well, and uh, went to Russia, to Crimea, and while I was in an airplane, I uh, was reading Ramana Maharshi, BSUR, and so, um, when I went to Crimea for meditation, and uh, was very much impressed by Ramana Maharshi teaching, um, and uh, at the heart of which is self-inquiry, the question, who am I? And bringing awareness to the source, to the self. And so after practicing self-inquiry, I returned back to England, where my friend um, was waiting for me with the um, packet of psilocybin mushrooms. Mm.
2: There you
1: go. So, yeah. (laughs) So this is the beginning of the story. (laughs) um, And yeah, it was second time I was, I did try Ivan mushrooms. Uh, First was very intense as well, but this one was um, way more powerful. And um, so together with this practice of self-inquiry, as well as surrender, surrender to whatever is going to happen, kind of no resistance at all, kind of whatever mushrooms is going to take me, I'm ready, death or not death, ready to go. (laughs) So, And uh, I think it was a big portion, probably around three or four uh, Mexican uh, dry uh, mushrooms. But it was a very profound experience. After kind of working a little bit on the street, seeing changing colors and shapes, uh, vibrating and energy, we returned back home, and um, I sat just in meditation on a uh, sofa and went into the self inquiry and, uh, and uh, my awareness, turned within and concentrated on the third eye uh, in search of the perceiver and, um, and then it starts sliding down the throat and also I, I feel very um, big pressure on my uh, sahash, the top of my hand. And then it was a sensation that uh, top of my head was open with um, the laser scalpel and um, the cloud of thoughts evaporated. And then my awareness moved deeper within and uh, within the region of um, upper lungs. I start to experience um, celestial realm with the Gandhar was playing divine music and all external impressions were switched off and then still uh, in search of the self attention moved down and down and then slightly on the right side of the chest which is known uh, as a spiritual heart Hridayam this is the center or Hrid chakra so yeah and uh, This is the kind of... When you're reaching this point, there's realization of coming home. Uh, And also realization that you never, ever left this home. You're always here. It's just kind of... Paradox.
0: Yeah, we don't give enough credit to the heart. Our last guest in our last episode we did had a heart transplant. He had two near-death experiences. And uh, the one experience, he said he... Um, saw a million little lights all connected and you know his book's called Quarks of Light and just this idea of like non-duality right like everything's connected and we're all part of this one thing and uh, I mean I definitely identify with um your experience too but I, I feel like we don't you know give the heart enough credit in terms of obviously it pumps the blood and does all this you know we think about it as like a um just like a phys, like an important part of the physical process of our body, but in terms of like spiritual and um you know anything metaphysical i don't think we really correlate that usually
1: right well um, there is quite a lot of research have been done around uh, electromagnetic uh, um, force right around the spiritual heart kind of it's much more more stronger than the Electromagnetic force in the brain. Right. So and and also, um, uh, well, in my meditation specifically with uh, psilocybin mushrooms, um, it's almost every time uh, my awareness goes to the heart, and just standing there as the threshold of the um, heart, I consider as kind of his. Uh, well, the bo- the whole body, our whole body is cosmos. Really. And uh, within this cosmos is um, parallel realities alien beings and uh, mm. <laughs> and uh, within its uh, black hole it's also kind of it's a quasar, quasar mm. or sun radiating uh, the rays of consciousness outside through the senses but at the time of returning back kind of when the awareness going within and within with the self-inquiry and merging within the black hole, it's turning into black hole. And there's a singularity point, point as well, which is um, sort of, <laughs> uh, it's where the knowledge of um, infinity exists, let's say. it's a, And also it's a singularity point sort of, um, Uh, beginning of a wormhole into different realities.
0: Hmm. um... I like it. It's kind of like uh, Schwaller, Delubitz, Temple of Man kind of a thing where it's an analogy that the human body is kind of, like you're saying, encompassing of the stars or the cosmos. Um, And actually, to your point, I think, I mean, psilocybin is my favorite psychoactive compound. I just feel a connection to it and anytime I experience it, it's like a feeling of going home. It's this... this warm embrace kind of a thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, I I know different people like different things, but definitely, I definitely feel, you know, um, I've had similar experiences.
1: I'm very happy to hear this, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, well, just continue from this point. Um, and on the second day, uh, I'm still in a very uh, heightened state of consciousness, and uh, in very. Um, uh, my friend is very impressed with my account, and we're going uh, into the shop and buying some more uh, psilocybin mushrooms. They were legal in London at this time, and um, so. And we're taking the second uh, portion. And what when, um, when was
0: this what year was this roughly?
1: Just the second day uh, when was uh, it was I think it was in 2003. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So long <laughs> long
0: yeah, story. I mean I guess it's it's not it's it's it is a while ago but it's it's crazy to think that 2000 or 2003 was already 20 years ago. It's crazy.
2: Yeah.
1: So and um With the second portion, um, what happened? uh, In the beginning, I was engaged in self-inquiry, but the question, who am I, did not um, make any grasp to my being. It was just standing as a question without any kind of like reverberation. And then I just decided to lie down on a bed. And uh, while lying down, uh, gradually, gradually, the this question started to penetrate deeper within me. And then I kind of was, my body was uh, in a very, very quiet uh, state, almost without breathing for about a couple of hours. Just a very, very shallow breathing. And then suddenly, without any volition from me, it exploded with the very intense breathing. In and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. Feeling all my um, cells molecules with the electrifying energy just kind of buzzing and, and bodies transforming into the energy, basically. And uh, and so it's continued for quite a while till I cannot breathe any longer and I'm breathing out and basically I just kind of feeling I'm going into death. Wow. And uh, that's it. Um, But body, of course, um, um, continued struggle and uh, the battle (laughs) for the uh, coming home continues. But anyway, the point is, uh, this was the beginning of, uh, so the magic mushrooms told me the significance of pranayama. So this was the first really really deep lesson of uh, how of about the um, role of pl- prana in awakening.
0: Hmm. Now you've created a type of yoga, right? It's called kumbaka yeah. kumbaka prana yoga. Is that correct?
1: Yes, that's right.
0: And uh, I looked up kumbaka, the word, and it says it means vessel, like um, holding air in a vessel or something like that. So. Um, in terms of yoga, this would mean what that you're holding your breath while you're doing certain poses or
1: no it's uh well i basically um before it became Kumbhaka prana yoga I just uh, call it intuitive dynamic breathing meditation so and um, um, so basically Kumbhaka prana yoga have as as you rightly said Kumbhaka means retention of breath. Kumbhaka also, kumb means pot. Mm. And what's happening um, in Kumbhaka Pranayoga, while you are engaged in pranayama, dynamic intuitive breathing, like right,
2: intense,
1: mm. in out, in and out, you're filling your pot right. with the pranic energy. You're purifying your nadis system. Nadis is uh, subtle energy channels within your body uh, with the three main channels, Ida pingala and sushumna at the spinal cord. So you purify, you're purifying your energy, your nadi channels. Also, they, they uh, tra- uh, could, could be translated as rivers, Nadis, the energy channels. Mm. And apparently, there's a great amount of them, like Upanishad talking about 72,000 Nadis within the body. Right. Or even more. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the whole system of kind of... And uh, you're feeling the kumb. Your, your body is kumb pot. And then when you fill up this uh, pot with this pranic energy, you closing the lid. is kumbhaka, kind of like you are, and staying in retention of breath. Mm. You feel intuitively when you need to, it's kind of like, let's say kind of like, if you're inter- intensely breathing, like even, I don't know, for 30, 40 times, at, at a certain point, you will start to feel that you start to losing consciousness, or you um, start to faint. And um, yeah, is this so, so? Is this
0: similar or the same thing as like alkaline breathing? Because we had a guest on where I was doing these yeah, we deep, almost did faint these deep breaths, and I almost did faint. Everything was getting very almost like a psychedelic experience. It was becoming very um, intense, and it was just these deep breaths in and out, like fast breaths. Is that similar?
1: I guess so. There's many, many uh, different pranayamas and uh, also holotropic breathing, of course.
0: Yeah, that's what this was, is holotropic breathing.
1: Yes. Well, holotropic breathing, uh, do not use kumbakas. Holotropic breathing is um, like, let's say, kind of one hour and a half or maybe two hours straight. You're just breathing non-stop, and uh, the aim is to create catharsis. Uh, the release of emotions and people go through the um, rebirthing process so kind of like they experiencing they um, heal the subconscious traumas through yeah them.
0: Wim Hof's a big uh,
1: yes yeah. Wim Hof as well kind of Wim Hof probably the closest things to Kumbhaka Prana Yoga I would say because um, it's in Wim Hof method he usually kind of uh, advises about 30 people uh, Breathing, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, in 30 times, and then you're breathing out, holding your breath, and then you breathing in, holding your breath. So, Kumbhaka Pranayoga is similar, but it's uh, more intuitive, I would say. Mm. It's because uh, the aim of Kumbhaka Pranayoga is to um, awaken the Inner intelligence, intuition, which you already have. Your body possesses this intelligence. You just need to. The whole process of awakening is um, is to um, find the ways to activate your innate intelligence, to awaken your innate intelligence, which already you possess. Mm. So it's not bringing something from outside. It's all you, you already have it. So you just enter. Prana and Pranayama is...
0: Um, You're just enhancing uh, your awareness that you already have. You just don't know, usually.
1: Yes. So, uh, Kumbhaka Pranayuga um, have five limbs, so so to speak. The first one is Bhavana. Um, Bhavana is, um, is a sort of Certitude, affirmation and certitude. Bhavana, um, like let's say I am Brahman, I am consciousness, I am energy, I am the reality, I am um, eternal. So this, you come to this uh, realization through different methods. You can come to this realization through study of science, let's say, quantum mechanics or uh, studying scriptures like lipugita Gita, a powerful book of uh, on uh, affirmation of, on bhavana so bhavana is uh, certitude that i am reality indestructible reality and um, so this uh, certitude gives you courage to experiment and plunge deeper into subconsciousness, unconsciousness, superconsciousness, and uh, and by experimenting or kind of experimenting with even uh, going into the states of uh, resembling more death while kind of having um, heroic doses of magic mushrooms. So with the experiments, you are verifying that actually this is truth. And, uh, and so it's strengthening your bhavana, so then they kind of work in tandem together. First, affirmation and uh, trust in these words, I am reality, I am consciousness. S- and second, verifications and, um, which strengthening bhavana. So then next uh, limb is Bhairava Mudra, which I already explained uh, as in comparison with um, um, divided tension. Mm, Yeah. So it's an attempt to comprehend a maximum impressions simultaneously. And uh, let's say, if you're just fixing your gaze in one spot, you're opening up your panoramic vision peripheral vision, and you are sort of able to perceive everything simultaneously, and engage as well all sounds, and uh, bring awareness, but the attention turn within, and facing the um, experiencer, perceiver, sense of self. So in this, this effort, expand, expanding your awareness, expanding your attention, so then the third one is self-inquiry, which is uh, Ramana Maharshi teaching, uh, direct method. And uh, self-inquiry is, begins with the question, who am I? But who am That's I is That's a great question, kind of, right? <laughs> yes, it's the most important <laughs> question. And who am I is only... Uh, the question just gives direction to... Awareness to travel in search of the sense of self, the sense of I. So um, and yeah, further you don't need question. You just have your awareness going within and um, uh, in search of the experiencer. Mm. So the and the fourth part, of course, it's uh, and the most important part uh, I would say is a dynamic um, kumbaka pranayama. Which is um, because the kumbaka pranayama provides you with the needed energy to break through um, all kind of blockages, and um, and uh, kumbaka pranayama uh, triggers uh, innate intelligence to manifest hmm. to, to come out. And um, in addition, uh, I. Kind of on later stages, you can also engage what I call shamanic trance dance, which is um, while you engaged in kumbhaka pranayama together with all um, uh, bhārava mudra bhavana and self inquiry, uh, you can add intuitive, spontaneous movements of your body, fingers, tongue. Um, so you kind of you facilitate um the energy, your innate intelligence to start to move you. The whole process is um is to trigger what is called in Kashmir Shavaism samavesha. Samavesha is divine possession. So basically um you bring yourself into the state where your energy, some can call it kundalini shakti um, or prana shakti, so that your innate energy awakens and possesses you. Mm. Mm. And in this way, so the samavesha is divine possession or um, otherwise, uh the perfect entrance into the highest realms of reality
0: so do you think that these methods can help you get to kind of that psychedelic state if you will um with some of these practices i think that's the goal right of anybody that's ever meditated or done psychedelics or is aware of these things is to achieve those states without actually taking any psychoactive compounds
1: Oh yes, definitely. The uh, pr- prana, prana is uh, sufficient enough, and other uh, me- uh, other uh, limbs sufficient enough to take you in a very high state of consciousness. But of course, if you add the wisdom of sacred plants such as uh, psilocybin mushrooms, hmm. and specifically heroic doses, I'm just speaking like about I don't know. 15 Fifteen,
2: twenty, even thirty grams of dry. Yeah, that's intense. yeah, it's <laughs> it's. You, I think bigger, you,
0: yeah, Terrence McKenna would call heroic dose five five grams dried. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah I mean, I know that there's um uh, a lot of people that you know we've had a lot of people in our chats talk about you know taking that much. I mean, the most I've ever taken, I think I've talked about on our trip report episodes was ten dried, and that was super intense.
2: I've, I've taken well, two. <laughs>
1: right. Well, I would say I'm quite extreme, kind of, in, yeah. in, in my longing for truth. <laughs> okay. So I kind of, like, um, well, basically, I mean, kind of, we live life, and uh, I, I've, I feel the most important things in the whole world is the truth. And... Um, to experience the truth you are should be ready to sacrifice everything even your life even your sanity and uh, when you're kind of entering these states uh, which is basically it's a death kind of or insanity, you are humbly offering your ego your whole, your mind mm. for the annihilation to uh, mm. to the energy which is uh, then uh, to Take over your efforts and uh, delivers you into the um, highest realms of reality. Hmm. Hmm. Well, here, I mean, kind of, I'm very happy to live on Isle of Wight where we have um, quite uh, uh, lots of um, liberty caps growing on the
0: Yeah, the UK definitely does. Um, and also, you know, I think the the tides are turning in terms of um, psychedelic research, psychedelic medicine, and, um, you know, the availability of it. I know the UK is still a little bit stricter with all that kind of stuff than the United States. And obviously here in the States, we do have some states where it's it's been decriminalized and stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that, um, with the science, with the research, with the people, the investors and all the, stock traders and all that kind of stuff i think those are going to be what drives this thing to the next level um you know it's kind of like a balance thing like yeah you wish it wasn't the case you wish it was just you know cognitive liberty we're allowed to just do these things and if you can jump out of a plane how come you can't eat a handful of you know mushrooms something like that but at the same time like i said i think that you'll see some of you know the science and the the money markets and everything it'll, it'll drive it similar to you know how cannabis became legal in a lot of states here in the u.s
1: yeah only uh yesterday was a program on bbc 2 about uh professor not yeah uh, so about um one hour one whole hour about um um mushrooms as um treatment for uh depression hmm. um, absolutely
0: this sort of things yeah david yeah, not uh of... he's, he's i like his work I, I find it interesting and there's a lot of great stuff going on there imperial college does a lot of good research you know there's a lot of stuff going on and like i said in the uk so hopefully you know we can get this thing uh to the point where everybody if they want to do it cool if they don't want to do it you know the availability of it similar to like what uh, alcohol or like i said even in the states how cannabis is now right
1: so um where did we of? <laughs> oh so so <laughs> I, I guess so, so what what's
0: the what's the message then or like what's the the basis that you've come away with with this this practice and these experiences like what's what's the thing that you can take away that you can Tell other people about or help them achieve those states.
1: Right. Well, um, I mean, among many many um, psychedelic experiences, I probably had more than hundred, uh, and some of them with uh, very big doses of the psilocybin mushrooms. One uh, was absolutely of different quality, and it's happened in uh, 2013, in December 2013, and um, so this one was, um, took me into the realm of uh, divine language, so it was full possession, Um the energy took over and just was rolling my body through the uh, various postures and um, and um, I lost all world.
0: <laughs> yeah, grasp on reality. All
1: shackles you, and uh, you have
0: to a dose that large too. You have to kind of just give in and let it. Like you have to, you can't maintain I that control, you. right? You have to just let it go and let go and just be the experience, right?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. And also you have to... Well, I like this expression, uh, only those who attempt absurd can achieve impossible. Mm. So you basically you have to go all the way uh, if, <laughs> into death, into fear, into, um, into impossible. Because um, truly... Uh, you are the self, you are the reality, and um, nothing is impossible, really. Mm. So, and this is the way to, um, I mean, kind of, I'm not, I would not advise everyone to take mushrooms or... Uh, of course uh, not.
0: I look at it as like yes, a tool. But, it's there if you want it, you know, or experience it, but again, I think even with like psychedelic medicine, um, and the psychedelic research, it's like, if you know it could be used as a tool, but it's not for everybody. Some people prefer conventional medicine or therapy, some people prefer you know other ways to do things. I know they're even trying to create these compounds that you know are taken from these psychoactive compounds that are not psychoactive, so they're using these compounds that they're taking the psychedelic aspects out of it but it's still treating some of these, you know, things. And I know some people are against that, but I, like I said, I look at as many options as possible as good. That's the way I look at it. You know, more tools in the toolbox. Some people want to experience it. Some people don't, but either way, it's there, kind of a thing.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, um, Well, I'm not taking uh, lately, I'm just uh, using very rarely, maybe mm. like once a year. And uh, obviously I prepare certain um, and setting should be. Sometimes <laughs> uh, the magic mushrooms are not only teaching you about the um, blissful and highest states of consciousness, they also show you hell, which is the other very important lesson and I've been in hell many times, and um, and there's like very deep realization what hell is. And um, would you, and would you consider possible.
0: that you, you confront like like some people call it a bad trip, some people call it hell, but would you consider that maybe you having some sort of emotional or anxiety or baggage going into it, and then when you you're faced you're forced to confront your own? demons or your own issues or something like that.
2: Yeah, sure. Um,
0: Do you know what I'm saying? It's like a bad trip is really just you not prepared to deal with and process your own stuff that you've been putting off or, you know, not dealing with at that point.
1: Very often it's happened when the settings... um, not chosen rightly Mm. for example if there's bad weather kind of like a cold or uh, you are within the company of some strange people or um, these sort of things so this is triggers um but the point is kind of when you experience in this low lowest realms of reality uh you have realization that you actually have been there before and you know that the most frightening thing is kind of like the realization that this exists forever as well. So, right. <laughs> And there is possibility that you will be there one day, so you kind of like, uh, now you're safe, but then. <laughs> so, uh, And uh, it brings us as well kind of to the uh, Bardo uh, Kedol, Tibetan Book of Death, Mm. which I consider is a very important and very profound teaching about different realms of um, reality and um, about moment of death, luminosity. Um, yes, and our life, it seems to me, given us um, to figure out what's important and what is not so what is permanent, what is uh, worth striving for. And uh, obviously, Her Majesty Truth is the uh, on the only one <laughs> which is uh, because of this truth. And
2: uh,
1: mm. it is forever there. And um, as Upanishad say, um, says, Self cannot be known through uh, the subtlety of the intellect or through much study, but uh, to whom who longs for the self, the self reveals its true nature. Mm. So the longing, longing is very important, which is sort of, I think is a sort of bhakta, devotion, devotion towards the uh, truth. Your willingness, willingness to die, willingness to sacrifice everything for love, love another word for truth. Hmm. So and
0: um, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say, do you have any interest in microdosing, or are you just strictly focused on uh taking yourself somewhere else?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, surely yeah, microdosing is. Um, Probably a very good tool for, especially kind of for boosting your uh, intellectual kind of capacity, I mm-hmm. think. And uh, yeah, also kind of in health uh, for health reasons. Yeah, but yeah, I'm more interested in uh, one
0: heroic <laughs> plunge So. Um. So, uh, I know you wanted to keep it under an hour, so let's kind of wrap it up here. So, uh, again, people can check out your book. I have the link down below at the bottom and uh journey into the heart of reality. Um, is there something that like, a m like I said, is there anything that you have that's like, um, a message for people or is there anything that you want to say before we get out of here?
2: Well, um,
1: be curious, be courageous, Um, um, use your discriminative logic um, to separate what is important for you and what is not important or less important. for death is not the end of uh,
2: existence.
1: It's just only a portal where everything is possible and basically what we learn and how we kind of dealing with this life situation uh, and experimenting, yeah, I'm kind of highly encouraging people to experiment. <laughs> mm-hmm. To find the truth for them, for themselves, they mm-hmm. can the truth cannot be found in books or it's co- only be can be confirmed by someone who had previously experienced it but uh, ultimately, um, yeah, truth can only be found within our own self
0: through experience, right? Yeah. Well, listen, Shiva, this was a interesting conversation and, uh, I really enjoyed your book and enjoy, um, you know, your message and your willingness to explore the mind and kind of, um, you know, these breathing techniques and everything. So, um, I, I don't know. I think that, like I said, hopefully we can get past this whole stigma of these substances and um, so people feel more freely, you know, to, like you said, experiment and kind of go places in their mind. Uh, but yeah, I really appreciate, you know, your, your book and your message and, um, uh, yeah, we'll have you again on in the future and, uh, that's it. So again, go check out Shiva's book. I have the link down below journey into, um, Journey into the Heart of Reality. Uh, and the link is down below the video. And one more time, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. For just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. I just uploaded a couple. Um and uh yeah. And oh, one more thing. Head on over to Indra'sweb.org. It is live. This is a social media platform we created to connect open minds. So if you like having these kinds of discussions, head on over there and set up a profile and uh listen we really appreciate you coming on and appreciate your time and uh i'm glad we got the technical stuff figured out and uh we we love everybody stay safe out there and uh we'll catch you next time peace
2: peace